0: 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. What are the typical services offered for a non food franchising system? Are there any special considerations or challenges associated with non food franchising? What are the benefits of investing in it?
1: So oftentimes when people think of franchising, they think of fast food, and yet they don't understand this world of opportunities outside of fast food. There's so many other industries. And, you know, we see more interest today than ever before in business ownership. And yet a lot of times people don't know how to connect the dots or where to start. What does that look like? And they assume there's a lot of risk. And the fact is if you start a small business the numbers work against you there is risk however when you look at franchising the success rate is so much higher now it's not all roses there, there's pros and their cons um, but in my humble belief the pros greatly outweigh the cons and we're seeing that resonate with the market Uh, some of the benefits of going the franchise route versus the startup route would include um, you've got a coach on the sidelines in that franchisor. The better you do, the better they do. Uh, they're providing you with marketing playbooks. They've, they typically have a marketing team that's supporting you. They've got an operations team. They're able to buy in bulk. They're um, you know providing resources and big data that you can leverage. And you also have a community of other franchise owners who are running the same type of business and you're able to exchange best practices. And so you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Now, what would be the downsides? You know, frankly, I have some clients that I have to explain, you're too entrepreneurial. You don't wanna stay within the lines. I don't think you can live within the confines of a franchise system. However, this is fascinating. I'd say for so many existing business owners that come to us and say, hey, for our next venture, we wanna explore franchising. Mm They they don't want they've been there they don't want to have to go through all the same things they went through last time they want to start on third base instead of first base and kind of have that fast track to success um, an interesting stat is ninety two percent of franchise businesses are still in business after five years that's cool. about three times that of regular mm. startups.
0: and uh examples are home care personal fitness training automotive repair can you share a little bit more about that
1: yeah and so most of our clients are open-minded and they say hey you know we want to look at those businesses that have the best franchise leadership teams that have the profit models that have competitive advantages with their within their industries the challenge is we don't know what industry to get into we don't know what that opportunity looks like And over and over again, we're seeing a gravitation towards what I call boring businesses. It's these non-sexy cash flowing businesses that are understandable, that are Amazon resistant, COVID resistant, in some cases recession resistant. Um, and so we see people flocking to industries such as property services and home services and things like insulation and gutters and concrete paving. Now, we've got doctors and lawyers and corporate executives buying into these businesses. They don't have a background in the space, but they lean on the franchise franchisor for that technical expertise. Um, we see p- an interest in health and wellness. I think coming out of COVID more than ever before, health and wellness. Now, I do think within fitness, while there's a lot of fitness franchises, I think that space is a little bit saturated and crowded, a lot lot of similar concepts, but we love some of these new health and wellness concepts coming down the line. Um, We're still doing a lot of oil changes. You know, there's still a long road ahead for many years for the oil change industry. And, you know, now more than ever, we do have clients saying, hey, what if the economy goes downhill? What if there's um, a recession? Now, we've all been talking about a recession for probably a decade now, but let's say it it actually does happen. What kind of position, what business do you want to be positioned in during an economic downturn? And I remind them that it's the things that, that that you care about that you'll continue spending on as a consumer. It's it's your kids, your pets, your aging parents. So I think businesses that support those types of areas are going to be positioned to do well no matter what the economy.
0: So from that business perspective, or better to say Post COVID current economic conditions, uh, what are essential qualities for success in franchising and how have those specific conditions impacted a franchise investments?
1: So, I'm a former Inc. 500 franchisor. Mm-hmm. And when I looked across our sea of franchise owners across North America, which is where we operated, um, those that performed the best invariably were those that followed our system. That didn't come in and say hey we're the smartest guy in the room we're going to do things different but those that followed the system and executed upon it and it sounds cliche but that Mm -hmm. was so true that's why you buy into a franchise system um you know it's an interesting time in franchising we're seeing more activity than ever before at the ground level we're still doing lots of deals in southern california in new york in chicago as well as all these middle markets across North America, but in areas that you don't see a lot of positive news coverage on, uh, you know, from the news headlines. And yet on the ground, entrepreneurship is alive and well, mm-hmm. and there's still a good, a good activity happening. Um, an interesting dynamic is we see more cash on the sidelines than ever before with a lack of good investment opportunities. Stock markets all over the place, interest rates are high, uh, only so many good real estate deals to be had. And so people are saying, what do we do with our cash? And more and more, they're looking to business ownership. And, you know, not just for the returns, but really what I call the trifecta. It's it's the operating income that you're generating along the way. Mm-hmm. It's the asset that you're building that's going to have exit value down the road. But it's also your ability to write off expenses that as a W-2 employee, you wouldn't be able to. And so um, more and more people are rising up to the types of opportunities and the financials that come with uh, with those opportunities.
0: How has your experience in Carters and Shelf Jenny helped shape your approach to franchising consulting and what inspired you to move from corporate finance and consulting into the world of franchising?
1: Like so many out there, I had that entrepreneurial spirit and yet I bottled it up for the longest time. And it was just when I turned 37, that I left corporate America, had a great run, had the golden handcuffs with stock options, but I knew you only live once and I wanted to go build something of my own. Left Carter's, went to work for Shelf Genie, served as their president, franchise owners across North America that I had the opportunity to support on a daily basis. For me, that was the light bulb moment when I realized there are better paths to business ownership that aren't being discussed out there. Long story short, ended up partnering with the founder of Shelf Genie. We've spun off, we've invested in franchises ourselves as franchisees, along with other business partners. And we have good people running those for us and allows me to spend over 90% of my time helping others do the same. And Martin, that's an interesting avenue that we see more than half of our clients going down where they start a business And nothing is easy, I won't sugarcoat it, but they stand up that business, they put a manager in place, they co-manage the manager with the franchisor, allows them to stay focused on their day job because they've got a manager running the business for them. The burden doesn't fully rest on them because that franchisor is the technical resource that's supporting them along the way. Um, So that's what we call semi-passive or executive model, very, very common within franchising.
0: And regarding this specific uh, model and and your clients, how do you help clients understand the various aspects of non-food franchising when introducing them to those new opportunities?
1: When we engage with clients, it's entirely free for our clients. It's similar to an executive search model where we are funded by the brands. We work with over 600 franchise brands, part of the largest franchise system in North America. Now, at any given time, there's probably 50 or 60 that I feel are the best of the best based on some very stringent criteria that I use. Um, And so after engaging with a client and getting to know them, we then come back and introduce to them the top nine or ten opportunities in their market for their consideration. These are the opportunities to have the strongest leadership teams, the competitive advantages, the financial models. And because we do more deals than anybody else in North America, we get to see firsthand what is resonating with different backgrounds in different markets. Mm-hmm. So we bring that in as well as what our clients tell us as well as what's available in their market to really curate the top assortment for their uh, for their selections. We then walk through the process with them holding their hands helping them understand their funding options, that you know, the, the you know, franchise attorney, the recruiter, we've got a whole ecosystem of partners that we can bring in to support our clients through their journey. You know, I pitch myself every day that I get to do what I do because I get exposed to hundreds of different business models. We're constantly working with emerging brands that may be doing the next neat thing in a given industry. And, you know, I get to help a lot of people, our client success stories, I get my validation when clients come back and buy additional locations of the business that we introduced them to, or when they come back and buy business number two, or business number three, we have plenty of case studies of how this happens. And, um, you know, so walking through that journey with them, helping them understand uh, how to think about these opportunities, how to compare option A versus option B, it's very gratifying to me. We get paid by the franchise brand when a deal gets done, when we bring a great client to them that eventually signs on after after going through the process with them. Uh, for our clients, they never pay us a nickel. It's entirely free. If they go directly to a brand or they go through us, they're paying the same franchise fee. So it's a very clean model. And you wrote a book as well about uh, non-food franchising. Absolutely. So we just released our book a few months ago. Couldn't be more excited. It's called Non Food Franchising. Again, Oftentimes, it's synonymous, you know, franchising and fast food, and yet there's so many other industries. And so in the book, we get into uh, the types of opportunities out there. What's resonating with others? What, you know, what are their backgrounds? What are they getting into? How do they go about finding that opportunity? What do the financials look like? How much money can you make? What what kind of investment does that require? What does their day-to-day look like? We talk about the legal side, how to analyze the agreement. Uh, We talk about strategies, you know, many of our clients build up a portfolio of different opportunities over time and, you know, there are different strategies as to how they go about it. And then we share case studies as well. So, you know, it's been called the franchise Bible. I think it's a little thinner than your usual Bible, but we really pack a lot of content into uh, a short amount of space and we've gotten great reviews on it so far. My wife and I and, you know, children here in Atlanta are very active in the community and a number of different nonprofits, you know, and there's one, you know, there really is, is straight on on the business side, and that's the Entrepreneurs Organization, global organization, chapters all over the world, and I've uh, been in there for five years. I serve on the board, and it's just a great support system for entrepreneurs, um, you know, as a... Forum. We've got a small mastermind group. We've traveled the world of Costa Rica, Guadalajara, Bon Air. Uh, we're headed to Vancouver Island next week. Um, but we love getting out, meeting with other chapters around the world and um, it, you know, learning from them and sharing best practices. I think there's something innate in all of us, Martin. It's this desire to build a business, to unleash that entrepreneurial spirit. And you learn so much more when you surround yourself with good people that are looking to do the same thing. And that's regardless of geography. You learn so much more by traveling and um, exposing yourself to different types of businesses and different types of environments. to share a copy of the book with all of your listeners Uh, you've got such a great listener base um, so we'll provide a free copy. If you come out to our website, FranBridgeConsulting.com, that's FranBridgeConsulting.com, uh, you'll have a pop-up, leave leave your name, your email address. We'll make sure you get a digital copy, both audio as well as downloadable. And then if you'd like a physical copy, you know, let's hop on a call and chat a little bit further. But again, entirely free to work with us. And if you do choose to purchase a brand on Amazon or another retailer, all profits go to charity. Uh, it's not a moneymaker for us. Our desire is to get out there, educate the public, and then help them uh, through our process.
0: 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.